Hello, everyone. I'm Drew. Bailey. I'm Lacey. And we're sarcastic, so let's get sinister. That was fun. So how's everyone doing? Good, good. Let's speak. Lacey's back in the state. That's exciting. Yeah. I survived Texas. Not everybody does. (laughs) I don't know what I meant with that. I'm not wrong, but I don't know why I said it. The death toll in Texas is largely untalked about. It's it's extremely high. Yeah. You know, when I was driving home, my mom um, would peek in on the on Life 360 to see where I was. And she called me at one point when I was in Arkansas or Tennessee. And she said, Lacey, there are 13 cemeteries around you right now. And I'm not convinced that she was reading the map right. <laughs> and I, was, I said, what? She was like, I just kept zooming out and there's just more cemeteries. And I was like, what are you looking at? You're Why? surrounded by so much death. <laughs> yeah, I don't... She was, she was like, keep driving. Don't stop there. <laughs> She's like, there's going to be a ghost. Yeah, oh, so many dead people. God. If you stop at the cemetery and fall asleep, they're just going to think you're dead and bury you. That's why there's so many cemeteries. People kept stopping to rest on their drive and they're like, oh, there's another one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't have anything new. Oh, cool. I'm excited to uh, <clears throat> not spend an entire hour listening to Lacey. <laughs> Four days in a row. It was more than an Four hour. Four weeks. Yeah, yeah, it was. Four weeks. It was a lot in of me. And you were looking forward to telling us about today's case too. Yeah. What is it, today's case? Well, it's it's this it's the um, the mysterious death of Phoebe Hansjunk. Um, sounds sinister and I'm about to be sarcastic Oh, and we hope you keep listening okay <laughs> Billy in the bowl <laughs> a toxic tornado are we just running through all this stuff or... <laughs> oh, I feel a little goofy how about you guys I'm so excited I just woke up for my second how much, how much of that stuff have you been drinking lately? I've had two sips I'm really excited to sit and listen to somebody else tell a story okay. Um, I just want to warn you ahead of time. I'm just going to jump in because okay. I have a lot to go over with you guys. Okay, hold on. Let me get my puzzle. Do you think I could do a puzzle while I tell you? <laughs> All right. Ready. All right. Lacey, are you ready? Do you want to do a thumbs yes. up? Okay. So I'm going to do like what like is normally Bailey's style. Where I'm going to kind of like tease you a tad and then take it back a bit. You seem very, com- very upset about that. That's mine. No, I know. That's why I, I queen. Stole I, her strategy. I tagged you in it. Okay. Well, the week after this comes out, when I talk, it's going to happen again. So. Why do you sound so sad? Because it's mine. Okay. You, you legit look like you're about to cry. I'm also, my eyes are watery. I literally just oh, woke okay. up for my nap. Okay. So, um, 
In December of 2010, 24-year-old Phoebe Hansjuk fell 12 floors down the garbage chute in her apartment building. Oh, Upon it's landing, What? It's this case. Yeah. Upon landing in the garbage room, Phoebe didn't immediately die. Evidence was found indicating she desperately stumbled around the dark room looking for help. Yes. Aww. Um, someone's dogs are pitter pattering on the floor. That was Lewis. <laughs> oh, let's see. <laughs> Tell Lewis to stop pitter pattering. I was like, he has really long nails. He needs to get them cut. He's been on the road for a while. <laughs> you can't just ask anyone to do your nails. Anyway. Exactly. So, just a heads up, that might so, be the background. So, yeah, um, after she fell, the 12 floors. Tegan has ants in her pants. Mm. She's refusing to sit still. Upon landing, so, she fell 12 feet. Not true. 12 stories into the garbage um, room. And she didn't immediately die. She, there was evidence that was found that indicated that she had been, like, Desperately clawing at the walls and door, trying to find her way out. So, I'm going to pose this question for you now, and then at the end we can revisit. Was this an accident, a suicide, or a murder? That was not my dog. That was mine. I unmuted to answer. That's why I'm working muted. Based on the, you know what, listeners, you're, you're gonna hear our dogs. That's just what okay, is gonna cool. happen. Yeah, because otherwise it's gonna be annoying. Um, mm -hmm. based on the very limited information we have right now, I'm just gonna guess because I don't have anything to guess off of. I'm gonna say murder because it's more interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also don't know how you could accidentally fall down a trash chute, so I immediately cut that one out. Um, so, I'm going for murder. Uh, Lacey, you play a game of hide-and-seek. You think that, like, you can, like, hold your weight up there without falling. Mm -hmm. You slip. Accident. There mm -hmm. you go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I like the you way gotta... you acted that out as you told me. <laughs> you gotta think outside the box for these things, Lacey. Come on, it's hide-and-seek. Um... I, I don't know. It's kind of weird that she's clawing her way up. I feel like it's not that she intended to go down there. Mm -hmm. um, but if she was trying to commit suicide and like second guessed herself and then was like, no, I want to live and tried clawing, that could make sense. But I'm going to need more information. Oh, okay. You mean that first paragraph of barely anything didn't solve it for you? Yeah, I'm not going to jump to what sounds the most interesting, like some people. I did, happily. But I decided to learn more. Okay, well, um, I just want to let you know that after doing my research, um, I haven't really made up my mind either. Oh, I forgot you so said I'm... it was a mysterious death, so we won't know for sure. Oh. Why'd you think she asked that question at the beginning? Because I thought she was going to, and then we get to the end and she'd be like, and here's the truth. Like it's yeah. a quiz. She thought, she yeah. thought it was teasing. 
Um, yes. Oh. Uh, okay. I will tell I'm... you one thing that I am 100% sure of. Mm-hmm. The police in this case royally fucked the whole thing oh, up. Love those. We see yeah. them so often. Yeah, you're going to love this. You're going to love it so much. All right. Take us right, take us not away. Chad Daybell anymore. Preach. Um, there is a bit of a toxic tornado in this one, though. Not nearly the size of Lori and Chad, but not the tornado you want. So, um, now, some people want tornadoes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so now, in Bailey fashion, I'm gonna rewind... Back it up to May 9th, 1986, when Phoebe Hanschuk was born by emergency C-section to Natalie and Len. She was a healthy and strong baby that grew into a wild child. I don't know why I said it like that. Sounds like you're doing voiceover for like... I know. Okay. It's an ad. Knock it off. She was an athlete, an artist, and a social butterfly. She was loyal, cheeky, strong-willed, and had a fierce sense of justice. She was protective protective of and loved her family. Her father, Len, was a psychiatrist, and she had two younger brothers, Tom and Nikolai. Her maternal grandparents were Lorne and Jeanette Campbell. Lorne was a retired detective, and Jeanette was Phoebe's confidant. She and Jeanette were extremely close. Phoebe trusted Jeanette with everything. She would always go to her and confide in her. And Jeanette would never judge her or betray her trust. She would just give some advice and that would be it. And I was thinking, so recently, my oldest has been obsessed with the movie Moana to the point where we watch it on repeat on days that we don't have to go to school. And I was thinking that it's kind of like Moana and her grandmother how they were like confidants. I don't know if you've watched the movie. I have. You don't have kids so I don't know if you would need to. It's Moana. Fair. (laughs) Have you listened to the soundtrack? I sure have. You know there's only like three actual well, two. No, not true. Like four songs in it. Is that normal for a Disney movie? No. Um, well, one song, it's, like, the first part, and then she sings it again when she's, like, at sea. And then there's How Far I'll Go. Then there's You're Welcome. Then there's the, like, first opening song about their island. Then there's Shiny. There's five songs. There's more. Shiny. There's Shiny, You're Welcome, How Far I'll Go. And then the... Um, there's the village Moana. song. Make way, make way. Yeah. And then there's like the song that's sung in like the native tongue while they're yeah. on the sea. That's anyway, like four or um, five songs. This is not a podcast about Moana. Could right, me to lose. Lacey's coming very aggressive. So, as Phoebe got older, she got into rock climbing, hiking, and martial arts, but all was not as it seemed. Phoebe appeared to be happy, healthy, and living a perfect life, but she was suffering from depression. According to her friends, Phoebe started going out to clubs, 
drinking and experimenting with drugs at around 13 or 14 years old. Wow. Her friends, yeah, very young. But also, I don't know if I mentioned, she's from Australia. Oh. I mean, but like, I feel still. Like still young. Yeah, but like, I like the, yes, very young, but she is from Australia. <laughs> Meaning well, that other so, countries aren't so like, no alcohol, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, so she young, would be but... legally allowed to drink at 18, so. Yeah, but still, it's young. Okay. I agree. I'm just saying. So I'll just blame it on Australia, guys. I'm not blame What? Australia. Her friends remember that they'd, like, go out to a club with $20 between them. Like, everybody had $20 amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't think I said that right. No. I think $20 between them told Would us clearly what you like, meant, and then you yeah. made it harder. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm so out of practice telling you guys stories. Yeah, Sorry. I have been taking up all of our time. Go ahead. This is so Drew's anyway, they, they <laughs> go to the club with $20 between the, the three of them. And they get plenty of drinks. Sorry, Lewis is rearranging the living room. Is he pitter-pattering? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so they'd still get plenty of drinks. And Phoebe would get handfuls of drugs. And they would leave... With the same $20. So, it, like, the situation isn't, like, a funny situation, but when you said she got handfuls of drugs, I pictured her coming back to their table with just handfuls of pills and be like, we gotta get out of here! <laughs> so, you're telling me that, what, like, 13, 14-year-olds were getting, like, free booze and drugs? Yes, Phoebe was very attractive. Yeah, I'm thinking that they were people who were willing to exchange those in the hopes for something else. Well, that's horrifying. That was my guess. Her friends would say that guys would just, like, give her drugs because she was gorgeous and charming. She was, however, prescribed antidepressants when she was 16, but she didn't take them as prescribed. She would, like, take them for a while and stop and then start up again. Not the way you're supposed to take medication. Um, while Phoebe was a teenager, her parents got divorced. She took this really hard because, as I mentioned before, family was very important to her. And it the split was very hard on her. She actually stopped talking to her dad for a while. Wow. Eventually, they did rebuild the relationship. But um, some think that Phoebe used drugs and alcohol to cope with her depression and like stress her father who as you might remember was a psychiatrist didn't believe that she needed to be medicated he felt that the the depression was caused by the alcohol so it was kind of like a chicken and the egg situation mm-hmm. yeah which came first the depression or the alcohol yeah i feel like it's always hard like when your own kid is going through yeah. That, like, you're like, oh, no, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. So, um, Phoebe confided in her grandmother that she had been doing a bunch of drugs. And Jeanette, being the awesome grandma that she was, was just like, you know, I've tried LSD before. Don't do it. There are just some things that people can't handle. And you and I are very similar 
and I couldn't handle LSD, so you should not eat. You should not even try it. Like that's the kind of grandma she was. Yeah, that seems like very specific advice. She said, she said that she and Phoebe were very sensitive with a lot of emotions, and LSD is not meant for that kind of person. Hmm. So, if you're wondering whether or not you can handle it, Lacey, I'm going to say probably not. Yeah, it doesn't sound like me. So, romantic. Maybe, Bailey. You're not as sensitive, and I don't think you have emotions, aside from when somebody steals your... borrows your style. Yeah, you're safe. You can do the LSD, and I'll watch you. You know how, like, you, like, always steal my clothes, and now, like, you're stealing, like, how I present my cases? It's really interesting. Maybe you should uh, get your own ideas. Hmm. <laughs> seeing a pattern anyway continue it's square square oh it's a pattern no it's just two squares anyway that's deep thank you mm-hmm. oh, when she said pattern I immediately thought of a worksheet anyway romantically Phoebe definitely had a type Natalie, her mother, said it seemed that Phoebe was infatuated with older men, and these men were always intrigued by her. Not in a creepy way. Well, maybe. We'll see. Some theorized that it was genetic. Natalie also had a history of being interested in older men, and Jeanette's husband was 11 years older than her. So, Grandma dated an older man, Natalie was in the older men... And Phoebe, at the age of 15, actually ran away from home for eight weeks, where she lived with an unknown male, his partner, and their baby. Oh, they just wanted free babysitting. Daycare's expensive, you know that. The the male had just been released from prison, so as you can imagine, well, mom was great, mean. but yeah. they were extra hard up for daycare money. <laughs> it's hard to get a job right out of prison, to pay for the daycare. I guess he could have stayed home with the babe, though. Doesn't matter. He doesn't know how to parent. He just got out of prison. Mm -hmm. At 16, Mm -hmm. Phoebe started dating one of her teachers, who was twice her age. So, You know how you began this, like, whole paragraph saying, like, she's dating older men, so I gave you a face. You're like, it might not be creepy. No, and then I said, actually, hold on. Yeah. Because I remembered this bit. Mm. Um... I don't know much about that situation, um, but as an armchair psychiatrist, I'm wondering if it, instead of genetic, was more of a psychological thing. Like, her parents divorced when she was teen. She cut her dad out of her life, and then she started looking for older men. And I mean, like, I I don't know if we could... genetic is the right word but if she's seeing like her mom and like her grandma like both of her like main role models like date and end up with like older men the most important she probably thinks yeah she probably thinks that's like like that is normal that she should be looking for someone 10 years older than her what year was this 10 2010 oh when she was yeah 16 to like um, 90 something well she was born in 86 so 
She'd be 10 and 96. It's like 2002. Yeah. Okay. Still weird. Okay. Phoebe continued to date men who were older than her throughout her life. At the time of her death, she was dating a man named Anthony Hample, a.k.a. Ant, which I'm going to call him Ant from now on. They'd met when Phoebe was 23, and Ant was in his early 40s. Phoebe had been working at a receptionist at the Lindley Godfrey Hair Salon in South Yara. Ant was one of the clients. He was attractive, according to whoever told me that. According to the article that I read, he was attractive, wealthy. Who are you talking to? I don't know. I've looked at pictures of him. Nah. Okay. No offense. He's alive, so... Little offense. What's his last name? Hample, ham, like the pig, and P E L. So, um, while you Google, he was attractive, wealthy, and an award-winning event promoter. He was, or is, because he's still alive, the son of retired Supreme Court Justice George Hample. And stepson of sitting county court judge Felicity Hample. So, mind what you say. He's got judge parents. In Australia. Yeah, I think. Whatever. They, they, the United States would never extradite me. Um, anyway, he kind of, like, I could see how he looks 40, but he's got, like, a very young ish hairstyle that makes him look kind of like a douche like he's trying to pass yeah also the photos of him and phoebe phoebe is dropped at gorgeous right and now so you see why she got the, the drinks and so clearly like in love out with of, him oh no like here let me show you this one photo that i found i was gonna say out of his league I mean, yeah, but, like, there's this one photo that there's the two of them, and it's Phoebe just looking at him, and you can just tell that she's... In love? Yeah. Where did I just save that? Hold on. You continue. I'm going to send you guys these. Okay. So, um, Aunt and Phoebe started dating around May 2009, and they dated for five months before Phoebe moved into Ant's apartment at the Valencia Apartments on South Kild- St. Kilda Road in October 2009. This apartment building was built in 2008, stands 267 feet tall with 23 floors. It's described as a luxury building consisting of 84 spacious apartments. It has a pool, a gym, a restaurant, a retail outlet, a terraced outdoor space, and stunning views. Mm-hmm. It also has a FOB security system. This means that in order to gain access to an apartment, the garage, or the amenities, you must use the FOB issued to you. So because of this system, it's recorded exactly when a FOB is scanned to unlock a door. Okay. So like if Ant returned home at 3.57, the system will record that he scanned into his apartment at 3.57. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's important. That's why I went into so much detail about it. It's gonna you. come back later. 
So um, when Phoebe moved in, she did pay about $150 a week as rent while living with Aunt. However, their styles clashed pretty much immediately. Phoebe enjoyed a house that looked lived in, cluttered, and just like a home. Aunt preferred a house that appeared untouched, like nobody lived there. He had a cleaning lady, and she reported that he specifically told her to, quote, make it look like nobody lives here. Aunt That's had silly, because you live there. Right. Or Aunt had he? insisted that being a receptionist was beneath her, so he got her a job at an ad agency. So you're already kind of seeing how, like, their lifestyles are pretty different, and, like, Aunt thinks that, you know. He yeah. sounds almost like he's going down the, like, uh, controlling route. Ooh, are you suggesting that a toxic tornado is starting to form? Ooh. <laughs> Sky's getting dark. Um, you hear that wind? So I would like to remind you that they moved in together in October of 2009, and Phoebe fell to her death in December of 2010. That's okay. a year later. Not yes, a little over a year later, yes. So in the span of Phoebe and Aunt's relationship, she had two different psych psych doctors. Um. I read the coroner's report. It was very long, and everybody testified, so I want credit for reading both the psychologist's um, notes. Snaps are through. Thank you. So first, she, she saw Dr. Peter Chervin until December 2009. After him, Phoebe began seeing Joanna Young, a psychologist. So she first saw a psych doctor and then a psychologist. Um... She started seeing Joanna in February 2010 until her death in December. Phoebe was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, social anxiety disorder, and borderline personality disorder. Following Phoebe's death, both Miss Young and Dr. Shervin agreed that in the time they spent treating Phoebe, they never felt that she was at risk for suicide. She only spoke about suicide while recovering from binge drinking or relationship dif difficulties, but she was never actively suicidal. Phoebe told her psychiatrist that Aunt was verbally abusive. Phoebe shared that Aunt made her feel stupid and put her down a lot. Mm. Their relationship seemed to be very toxic. Like a tornado. Mm. They had really bad fights, and Phoebe at least once tried to cheat on him. Um, and they also broke up a lot, which... and So they broke up a lot and then got back together again, which is a sign of a really good relationship, you know? Yeah, solid. Solid. I do that all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Pat, we're over. Just kidding, I love you. See? Healthy. And the, it, ke this it, it keeps us on our toes. Yeah. Give it a shot. No. <laughs> in the six weeks prior to her death, she'd been she'd been trying to leave him. She actually left him four times in those six weeks, but returned to him each time. Murder. Okay. She told friends and family that Anne had a controlling side. Following Phoebe's death, Jeanette, Grandma Jeanette, reported that Aunt and Phoebe were often turbulent, and Aunt was often jealous over Phoebe's male friends or friends from work, as well as friends from her past. So, Phoebe had friends, and Aunt didn't like it. 
You're not supposed to socialize with anyone else but your significant other. So, yeah. The last time... So now I'm going to kind of get into a timeline. Okay. The last time Phoebe's mother, Natalie, saw Phoebe was September 28th, 2010. Natalie and her partner, Russell Marriott, hosted a family dinner with Phoebe and her brothers. Between October 21st and and October 24th, 2010, Phoebe went to stay with Grandma Jeanette. She confided in her that she wanted to run away. She wanted to leave Aunt, leave her job, get sober, and move to India to volunteer. Her grandmother convinced her that she, she shouldn't run away. She needed to, if she was going to leave, she needed to do it the right way. She needed to officially resign from her job, and she needed to break up with Aunt in person. Phoebe agreed because it was Grandma Jeanette. Um, and she decided to do everything the right way, and she went to go talk to Aunt. Well, of course, Aunt was able to convince her to come back and stay. So Phoebe, when she next spoke to her grandmother, she said she would promise to cut down on her drinking, but she was going to stay. But, you know, but nothing really changed. I feel like I didn't go into enough detail about, well, not enough detail, but just didn't emphasize enough how, how, like, Phoebe's drinking was to an excess. She, she would binge drink a lot. And then when she was hungover, she would get really depressed. And that's why it was kind of a chicken and the egg situation. Um... So then leading up to her death, there is a lot of drama because the toxic tornado. When I say what the way that the reason why I'm calling it a toxic tornado is because Phoebe was I th- I think Aunt was very controlling and very do it my way or get out kind of situation. But I I don't think I think F- I think together they were just a toxic relationship. I think Phoebe I mean, had it had a problem with drugs and alcohol, and I think that she would sometimes do some do something despite him in a way to like rile him up. Well, you said that she had tried to cheat on him too. Like, yeah, I think she like did that in any relationship. Kinda... That's not good. So yeah, just leave him if you want to be with someone else. But but. She would leave him and then just would go back to him. Yeah. So, there's a lot of drama leading up to her death. I don't really... It's already a lot to go over. And so I'm kind of going to glaze over most of it. But if anyone is interested in listening to the um, a full detailed account, um, I know the more... It, morbid podcast does a really good job i think they have a two-parter episode for this and then also the podcast pod am i saying it weird podcast Well, yeah that was a little accenty that was weird (laughs) did i say it weird podcast (laughs) the podcast the podcast called phoebe's fall is like (laughs) about the whole thing about phoebe yes So, November 17th, 2010, Aunt and Phoebe went to dinner at a friend's house. 
and they got into a fight because Phoebe was texting on her phone, and Ant didn't like that. So he left her there and went home. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So Phoebe spent the night and ended up telling her friend named Linda that she still wanted to leave and move to India and get sober. She, like, wanted to move to India to, like, volunteer. She's a good person. She told her friend Linda that she tried, like, every drug except heroin at this point. Which, so she did LSD after Grandma Jeanette said not to? A little disrespectful, in my opinion. But that's also, like, reverse psychology. Like, you you tell them not to do something and they're going to want to do it. Even if it's from Grandma saying it's better off that you don't. But She also told her that she preferred cocaine over alcohol. Because she didn't feel terrible after using cocaine like she did with alcohol. <laughs> like, cocaine's, like, more like, woo, while alcohol's more like, mm. I feel like alcohol can go either way. You're either really ha- going to have a really good time or you're going to sit around and cry. You have options with alcohol. Yes. So, November 19th, Linda went with Phoebe. So, this was... um. Not the next day, but the day after that. So, like, the 17th is when Aunt and her got in a big fight and he just abandoned her. The 19th, Linda went with Phoebe and helped her pack up her shit. And Phoebe went to Linda's for the night again. The next morning, on November 20th, Aunt convinced her to come over to talk and she moved back in. On November 23rd, Phoebe called her dad and told him that Aunt had kicked her out of the apartment. Phoebe asked her dad to come pick her up, so he immediately canceled his appointments for the day and went to get her. That's a good dad. Yeah. He found her standing outside the apartment building with a bunch of her belongings. He brought her back to his apartment, and she stayed with him for a while. I'm also realizing at this point that I don't think that I mentioned that, like, once Phoebe, like, hit adulthood, she and her father made up and had a really good relationship yeah sorry forgot to mention that um so that was november 23rd she moved back in with him on november 20th on november 25th aunt called and they met up for dinner at the dinner Aunt begged phoebe to come back so she did oh my god can you imagine being like her friends or family? Just like, <laughs> really? Can you not get the fuck off? Yeah, either move out or move in. I'm I know so that tired. it's not like that black and white, but also that's so much moving. Yeah, in a week. Yes. If I were her, the friend who helped her move out that first time, I'd be annoyed because I'd be like, I gave you a day. I moved shit for you. I hate helping people move. And the next day, you moved it all back. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so during this, like, period in time, late November, family and friends that she interacted with said that she seemed okay, not depressed or, like, erratic or anything. She was excited for, um, an upcoming trip to Paris with Aunt. They were, yeah, they were planning a trip. It'd be fun to break up in Paris? Sure. And move out. <laughs> It'd be really fun to be abandoned in Paris. Yeah. Sorry, can I tell a quick story? Yes. So, while in Paris, 
when I was with my girlfriends. Um, we were running to catch a train. Not us. No, not you guys. We didn't um, get invited. We were running to catch a train because we were staying just like a city outside of Paris, not right in downtown Paris. Cheaper. Um, and we were running to catch a train. I was in the front. And then for some reason, because the doors were about to close, all my friends stopped as I hopped on the train. And no. I, tur- I turned around and the doors were literally closed and I could just see their three faces. Pure panic. They were like, oh my God. Why'd now, they stop? They must so have thought they weren't going to make it. Yeah, realize Bailey was no like, one, "No one told me to make it." Yeah. I cannot put into words how absolutely panicked I would be in that oh, situation. So it gets better because oh, good. I two. So it was four of us total. Two of us had cell service over there. I was not one of them. I also could not don't speak French. So like I'm going off of what I think is our stop or something. We've covered that none of us can speak French in <laughs> yeah. several episodes. In case you guys forget. Um, so after the doors close, I turn around and it's just all these French people who I know no, understand what just happened. French and, people in France? What? Well, they all look like panicked for me too. Yeah. So my idiot friends, shout out to them. Sorry, guys. Um, are trying to like text me and like facebook message me and be like oh my god get off at the next stop blah 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 so long story short i'm smart and got off at the next stop waited for the next like train or subway uh and that's when they met me and then started like laughing and like yelling at me but it was really their fault because they almost their fault i feel like you did exactly what you guys were planning to do we all could have made it if they kept up but um wasn't the movie taken like from paris yeah that's what I thought. Oh, I'm so glad you made it back. Thanks, hmm. guys. Hmm. I'd like their names and phone numbers. I'm going to write them angry emails about abandoning my sister in Paris. Uh, well, you... Home well, taken. Well, two of them were in my bridal party, so... And the other one I don't talk to anymore. I feel like oh, it was... I remember hearing about that one. B and J? Yeah. And Lucy, yeah. I know you've heard. You, I I definitely told you about the other one yeah, that I don't I talk remember. to anymore. Oh, mm-hmm. Can't remember her name. Starts with a B. We'll Brittany. talk about it later. We'll let <laughs> everybody else doesn't need to be involved. Okay, so um, getting back to Phoebe. Um, on okay, so just to remind you, she died in December of 2010 and we are now on November 29th of 2010 it's a Monday the last week of Phoebe's life so I'm going to go into a bit more detail with this week because I want you to kind of understand what was happening and what kind of led up to her death so Monday November 29th Phoebe went to breakfast with her dad as she did every Monday. It was their way uh, of spending some time together. And also Len liked to kind of use it as a check-in with Phoebe. See how she's doing kind of thing. Thanks. Yeah. At breakfast, Phoebe told her dad about some upcoming plans she was looking forward to. Probably the trip to Paris. And also that she and Aunt wanted to take Len. 
her dad out to dinner for his birthday later that week on December 10th, 2nd. Not 10th, 2nd. How old was Len? He was a father, so. <laughs> Do you think it bothered him seeing his daughter date someone that was, like, practically his own age? We Bubble. have zero opinion about that, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I said probably. <laughs> I think it probably bothered him more that he that this man kept kicking his daughter out of her house. Yeah, I think the quality of the relationship was not not great. I I would be more concerned about the toxicity rather than the age gap. Yes, the toxicity of the tornado rather than the length of the touchdown. Didn't know what to do for the second part of that. Yeah, I was curious to see where you'd go. There I went. Yes, wasn't a fan of where you went. Yeah, yeah, back to Phoebe. So, okay. Later that day, Phoebe returned to the apartment. She shared with Aunt. The apartment manager, Eric Giammario, saw her and reported that she seemed to be in a bit of a funk, like not her cheerful self. Shortly after Phoebe returned home, Aunt did too. Then they went out to eat with some friends. At this, at this dinner, Phoebe, who had previously promised to ease it on the alcohol consumption to Aunt, because he was he wanted her to stop drinking so much, because I think when she was drinking, she would be a little bit more flirty, a little bit more friendly, and he doesn't like when she has friends, remember? So mm, yeah, he was like, you need to stop drinking so much. Um, so anyway, Phoebe promised that she would... But at that dinner, she began to drink, according to Aunt, a bit too much. He started to get embarrassed by her, so he took her home early. They got back to the apartment at 7.51 p.m. When they got home, Phoebe continued to drink, and she started calling friends to see if anybody would like to go out with her and party. She finally found one friend named Brendan Hessian. <clears throat> I'm going to call him Brendan because I don't know how to say his last name. He agreed to meet for meet her for drinks at 1130, which seems like a ridiculous hour. That's my sleeping time. Yes, I if I'm awake at 1130, I'm mad at myself. <laughs> okay, you'll understand one day, Bailey. All right. You're still a young one. She works overnights, so she's like that's true, too. You're on a whole different schedule. Um, Brendan said that Phoebe was super happy and upbeat, but that Aunt was calling her phone nonstop the entire time. So I feel that at this time it's important to to um, point out Phoebe had two phones. She had an iPhone that was new that Aunt bought her, and she had an older Nokia phone. Oh. Um, so Aunt bought her the new iPhone. He put it in his name, but she didn't feel like transferring all the numbers off of her Nokia. So she just kept the Nokia with the iPhone just to have the numbers. So back to Monday night. Brendan and Phoebe hung out for like half an hour because Brendan needed to go home because 1130 is a ridiculous time to go out and party. Uh, however, Phoebe decided to stay out and continue partying. When Brendan left, he said Phoebe was still in good spirits. She was, like, skipping along the street. Eventually, Phoebe went to her mom's house and hung out with her stepdad, Russell, because mom was out of town. The next day, November 30th, 
Tuesday. Phoebe told Russell and texted her grandmother that she was going to work because she didn't want to get fired. Instead, however, she went home to the Valencia apartments, arriving at around... Nope, not around. She arrove... Arrove? Arrived. She arrived. I like arroved better. Just the regular past tense. (laughs) (laughs) She arrived at 9.08 a.m. Okay. Anne had already left for work, so Phoebe was alone. And around noon that day, she called her psychologist, Miss Young, requested an appointment that day. Miss Young said she had no appointments available, and I just just to rem- sorry, I just wanted to remind you that she had been drinking the night before, and whenever she's hungover, she feels depressed and yeah. So Miss Young adv- told her, she- "I don't have any appointments available today, but." If you really need to speak to somebody, you could call the local hospital and speak to a crisis worker there. Phoebe did so, but eventually called Miss Young back, basically begging for an appointment, like even one over the phone. Miss Young apologized and told Phoebe they'd have to schedule something a different day, but she was all booked up. So then later that day, Phoebe used her Nokia to call Brendan and left him a voicemail. She told him that if he didn't call her back, she would throw her phone away and leave the world. And nice to give people that kind of ultimatum. Well, Brendan got the message at around 6 p.m. and said it wasn't unlike Phoebe to be that dramatic. Mm. He he wasn't worried by it. He was like, ugh. Phoebe. Just typical Phoebe. Yeah. That's fun of her. After calling Brendan, she messaged another friend who is unnamed in every source that I found. She messaged him on Facebook saying she was having some issues and she needed to talk to someone. And she didn't want to talk to her family because she felt like she was a burden to them. This friend shared a few classes with her back in like 2009. They were like classmates. And they became friends on Facebook but really weren't that close. They like befriended each other through because they had like they were both trying to get clean at the same time. Um, so, like, since the class, they hadn't spoken since. They were just Facebook friends, and I just, it's so weird to imagine, like, someone you you last spoke to a year ago that you're really not that close with messaging you and being like, hey, I really need to talk some to somebody, but, like, my family is getting really sick of me. <laughs> Can I talk to you? That's not what she said. To be clear, but, like, she felt that she was becoming a burden to her family, so she just wanted to talk to somebody new. Anyway, um, the unknown friend agreed to meet up with her for some coffee, and he later testified in court that they had a great conversation, and she didn't seem unhappy or manic at all. She did mention that she felt like her relationship with Aunt caused her to be, like, isolated from the world. After their conversation, Phoebe convinced her buddy to drive her to get drugs from a dealer. She got some ecstasy, then they went back to the buddy's house. Phoebe took the drugs at the Phoebe took the drugs, at least one ecstasy pill, and Mr. Unnamed said she tried to kiss him. He refused, then she became violent and had to be restrained. She then started having crazy mood swings according to him. She would be yelling one second, then really quiet, then hysterical again. 
Sounds super fun. Don't yes. do drugs. I didn't. I didn't. I thought ecstasy was. I don't know. It's a party drug. Is it a pill? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. LSD is like the little sheet of paper, right? I think so. Okay. Did you not pay attention in the D.A.R.E. program? Did no. they describe all the drugs to us? <laughs> <laughs> they they so had a show in the We saw them in the wild. Did you yeah. not get, try the little tiny samples during the D.A.R.E. program? Like- they had a show and tell Lacey. They brought everything out. They said, this Man. is how you do cocaine. You can also do it this way. They showed us how to like use a spoon for crack. It was crazy. You can also do it this way. Exactly. <laughs> it's nice of them to be detailed. But don't do Option. it. Yes. Yeah. Say no. But if you no, promise to... you won't do it. <laughs> At sex ed was crazy. <laughs> they had the same system. <laughs> I appreciate Bailey thinking that's hilarious. Lacey was like, mm. whatever. <laughs> Just assume you guys had a different education program than I did. <laughs> <laughs> we went to different schools. Different okay. times, too. Anyway. Lacey was a year before me. Just blowing your anyway. nose. No, we were at the same graduating class, right? Yeah, we started college together. That's how we met. Do you not remember how we met? <laughs> I remember. That's why I caught it. I just remembered this you were This is our anniversary me. month. <laughs> Oh, it is. Yeah, we've I known each other it. for thirteen years. Ugh. Yeah, this is a how long year. have we known each other? I don't know. How old are you? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven years. Woo! <laughs> we got you beat, Lazy. I'll catch up. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> baby. <laughs> I will be her only friend. (laughs) I'm not just her friend, Lacey. I'm her sister. Mm. For now. (laughs) Anyway, back to Phoebe. Friends. Yeah. So, um, at 6.03pm, Ant arrived home at the apartment. At 6.25, he texted Brendan and asked him where Phoebe was. Brendan ignored the message because he didn't have that kind of relationship with Ant. So, like, Aunt Brendan wasn't really interested in helping Aunt track Phoebe down. Mr. Unnamed tried driving Phoebe home, but she demanded to be let out of the car at 9.30 p.m.-ish, roughly three miles away from the Valencia apartments. I know this because I googled, mapped it. She arrived back at the apartment at 12.29 a.m. No one knows how she got back there. But it's an hour and 15 minute walk if you walk directly from where she was dropped off to where her apartments were. So what did she do for three hours? She took a stroll. She was. Yeah, I was going to say she was on ecstasy. So she probably saw like a butterfly she needed to chase or something. Um, The next day, December 1st, 2010, Phoebe was passed out. Still, when Aunt left work at around 9 a.m., he took her iPhone with him when he left because he said 
he was getting it repaired. Personally, I think he was annoyed that, like, she went out with other men and wasn't answering her phone call or his phone calls. And I mm-hmm. think he was, like, punishing her and also trying to prevent her from doing it again. He was, like, my thought was, like, he's paying for it. So, like, sh- and she's using it to, like, go out with other guys. Yeah, seems, based on the little we know of Ant, that seems reasonable to assume. So, but, like, so this whole Ant taking Phoebe's phone thing becomes a big issue for a couple reasons. For one thing, Ant later said that he didn't take her phone Wednesday to be repaired. He took it for or Thursday. For a second th- reason, at 10.33 a.m. on Wednesday... A text was received by the following people. Phoebe's father, aunt, her boss, her mother, both her brothers, her grandmother, and Russell, her stepdad. The text was sent from Phoebe's iPhone, and it caused some concern. This is what it said. Quote, Hi, family. I'm in bed, about to sleep. When I awake, I will transform into the most incredible human being you've ever seen. Not. I will go to hospital. It's much safer there, and I hear the special tonight is tomato soup. Delicious. Nutritious. I love you all very much, but not enough to send an individual text. Sorry, but it's time to sleep, and I must be on my way. Merrily, merrily, merrily. Life is but a dream. XO. So, if... Aunt had taken her iPhone. You know? Yeah. Um, this was 2010? Yes. Um, just because you guys both don't have MacBooks or anything, but I can text from my laptop. Listen. Hold on a sec. Like, without my phone being. Hold on a sec. Okay, just saying. Natalie, Phoebe's mom, became immediately concerned and called grandmother. At 10.35 a.m., Jeanette, who was also concerned, called aunt and asked if Phoebe was okay. He told her that he hadn't seen the message yet, but he left her about an hour and a half ago, and she was sleeping peacefully. He offered to swing by the apartment and check on Phoebe later. Jeanette texted Natalie to relay the information she received from aunt. Then I wrote, Side note, if your Apple iPhone is connected to your Apple computer... Can you send text from your computer? Because Phoebe had a MacBook. Yeah. You can also send text from your um, iPad, too. Okay, but Phoebe had a MacBook. Yeah. Okay. Was that so. a thing you could do in yeah. 2010? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's one of the... Um, I... It's just, you know, um, Lacey, you don't have an iPhone. But um, the there's like a set of main apps that get uh, that are on your iphone and your messenger is one of them that's one of the main apps that is on your macbook too okay when you get one yeah i thought well, i mean we could talk about the text which was really fucking weird i thought you were gonna say when they were concerned that it was a text where she was talking about being depressed and threatening to kill herself because i was gonna be like oh he took the phone this was my thought before you gave us any of the information i was like he took the phone that day to send a text to friends and family, making it seem like it was from her and like she was suicidal. Mm-hmm. And then later he would kill her and they'd be like, oh, she did send this text. But then you read the text and I'm like, that's kind of bonkers. 
if it you were sending like it to pretend to be somebody else. Yeah. It yeah. seems very confusing and roundabout. I it doesn't seem like something that if you were pretending to like if you were impersonating her, that doesn't seem like what you would write. It seems like someone who's yeah. drunk. Like or the thought down high or something, yeah. Yeah. Yes. All scattered. Anyway, sounded a little Alice in Wonderlandy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will. I want to remind you that I haven't really made up my mind about this. So mm-hmm. while we go over from this point forward, I am going to be kind of devil's advocate, giving like okay. So Aunt may have taken her phone, but she had a MacBook. Yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so later on that day, Aunt called Jeanette back and said that he had checked on Phoebe. She was still sleeping off a bender, and he'd make sure that she called as soon as she woke up. Later, Aunt told police that when he went to check on Phoebe, she had told him that she took two sleeping pills that had been prescribed to Aunt. So he took the pill bottle with him when he returned to work. Okay. However, I could see... Not to, I mean, yeah, I'm interrupting. But I could see if she had taken them before she sent the text, the text being goofy. Yeah. Because I remember, because my dad took Ambien for a while, because he had a really hard time sleeping. Um, And the Ambien made him goofy, like super goofy, until he eventually stopped taking it. So I could see that from an Ambien text. Didn't he take it, and then he woke up and didn't realize that he had taken it, so he took some more, and then he thought he had a stroke? Yeah, he ended up in the hospital. We thought he had a stroke. It was a fucking Ambien. It was yeah. it was crazy. Ambien is wild. But that I could see that being an Ambien text. I wanted to point out, um, and I feel it is important to note, that there is no record, record of Ann visiting the apartment in the middle of the day to check on Phoebe and talk to her about sleeping pills and take the pill bottle with him. Mm. Aunt's key fob was never used during the time Aunt claimed to have returned home to check on her. This is important because it's not just like Phoebe opened the door for Aunt. That's why his fob was... Okay, so... Sorry. It's important because, like, if you're being like, oh, well, maybe Phoebe just opened the door for him. If that's the case, sure his fob wouldn't be recorded on the door. But he needed to scan the fob to gain access to the garage, to the like the actual front door of the building, the elevator, and the apartment door. And his mm. fob was not recorded at all at any of those sure. spots. It'd be kind of hard for someone else to hold those doors for him. All that, yeah. It's pretty fair to say he lied about that then. However... Aunt maintains that he did in fact go home to check on Phoebe, even when faced with contrary evidence. Well, some people lie. But it's Aunt. (laughs) His fam was scanned at 9 a.m., leaving the building, and 7.33 p.m. returning home. (laughs) However, someone did use a key fob to enter the apartment in the middle of the day at 2.17 p.m. Who was it? The cleaning lady! Her name is Shelly Shelley Teller. She had a weekly scheduled appointment on Wednesdays to clean the apartment. So she had her own key fob because no one was usually home at the time to let her into the apartment. That's why she was okay. surprised to see Phoebe there because nobody was usually home. She initially thought maybe Phoebe was sick because she didn't smell any alcohol. 
and Phoebe seemed well put together and happy. Phoebe left the, the bedroom so that Shelly could clean it, and when she fi finished, Phoebe went back to bed with an eye mask on. Shelly left the apartment at around 5 p.m., and later she told officials that she had liked Phoebe because she was always nice to Shelly, but she did not like the way Aunt treated her. She said it mm -hmm. seemed like a child-parent relationship by how Aunt treated and spoke to Phoebe. In addition to Aunt, Phoebe, and Shelly, Mr. Kurt Sari also had a key fob because he rented a car space from Aunt. Sari's key fob was not used on December 2nd. When Aunt did arrive home at 7.33 p.m., he said he and Phoebe had a nice night in together. He gave her a massage, he ran her a bath, and he cooked her dinner. At around 8 p.m., Phoebe called her dad, and they had a little chat that lasted about 11 minutes. She told him that she was still hungover, but Aunt was taking good care of her. She also remarked that she needed to stop doing this. She was also, um, she wished him a happy birthday, and that was the last time Len spoke to his daughter. Mm. Thursday, December 2nd, Aunt left Phoebe with her dog, Yoshi. She had a dog named what Yoshi. Kind of dog? Yoshi. Um, didn't know what kind of dog it was. I have a picture of the dog in the CCTV video. I'll, I'll just... I mean, you're not going to be able to tell what it is. Bailey no, might, but... I'll, I'll Google it. Okay. Um... So yeah, Aunt got up out of bed and left Phoebe in bed with Yoshi at 8.13 a.m. He got up early to go to the gym before he went to work at 9.01. At 9.45, Phoebe sent an email and was using the computer in the apartment. Aunt claimed that, between, that around 11 or 11.30, he dropped off Phoebe's phone for repair. At 11.43 a.m., the fire alarm for the Valencia building went off. Phoebe is seen on CCTV evacuating the building with her dog and fellow residents of the building. I just sent you guys a picture of the CCTV yeah. image. At 11.50 a.m., everyone was permitted back into the building. Video of Phoebe re-entering the building is the last image of Phoebe alive. At 6.06 p.m., Aunt pit bull. entered the garage. What? It's a pit bull. Oh. There's other photos At, of it. Okay. At 6.06 p.m., Ant entered the garage with his key fob. When he went up to the apartment, he said he couldn't remember if the door was locked, but either way, he entered the residence. He said Phoebe was not there. What he found in the apartment included the following. You know Someone what? I don't know there. if he found the dog. It wasn't mentioned. I would think that he found the dog because the dog did not go with Phoebe. Anyway, he found Phoebe's keys. Her straightener was still plugged in. Her purse, her wallet, several post-it notes all over the kitchen with scribbles on them. And candles were burning. Aunt found a glass in the kitchen that he said smelled like vodka. He also found broken glass, a bit of blood, and two, uh, two used wine glasses on the table. He also claimed there was a, quote, shrine 
on the bed, consisting of a photo of he and Phoebe, a photo of Phoebe and her cat, and a bunch of notes, like the post-it notes. I say claimed because no one else that entered the apartment that day reported seeing a shrine on the bed. According to Aunt, Phoebe liked to scribble post-it notes while drinking. It was something she would do. She would, like, try to write something, but the handwriting would be completely illegible. So, in the coroner's inquest, the shrine is addressed. Based on the photographs taken of the apartment, the coroner noted, quote, some posted notes and incense burning. So, not candles, incense. With apparently used incense seen on one bedside table. Personal photographs were located on a second side table found on the opposite side of the bed, end quote. All items that Ant described as being part of the shrine were located on separately on two bedside tables. So, but like, Ant liked for it to seem like nobody lived there. So maybe the personal photos like that appeared to him as a shrine, whereas other people would think that those items were just a personal touch. I don't like Ant. Okay. I just want that for the record. Between 6.19 p.m. and 6.34 p.m., Ant used the computer looking through search history. At 6.51 p.m., Phoebe's dad called Phoebe's iPhone. This is another discrepancy. Len called Phoebe's phone. Ant answered. Ant said he didn't hear Phoebe's phone ring, but at 6.52 p.m., Ant called Len from his own phone because he thought maybe Len knew where Phoebe was. So, like, Len's story is that he called at 6.51. He called Phoebe's phone, and Ant answered. Ant says that that didn't happen, but at 6.52, he called Len from his phone. Can't they just check their phone records? Oh, never mind. We're going to learn about the police, right? It's so funny that you mentioned that. <laughs> um, wait a second. He said he... Wait, we said Ant was on her laptop? No, he was just on the computer. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, like, again, because my, cause your, all your Apple products are connected, like, I can get phone calls on my laptop, too. Okay, that wasn't really the issue. I'm just saying, like, he could okay. see if he was on her laptop, it shows it's just, up, someone's calling you. I honestly don't think it really matters too much, but it's just weird. I Why would you lie? Aunt, because Ant is fishy and he did it. So, it's funny Lacey would mention the phone records because Len has the phone records that support his claim as to what happened. They both agree that they spoke, but how they got to that point is where they disagreed. Either way, Len told Ant that he was looking to confirm the plans with the couple regarding the birthday dinner that they planned for that night. Ant told Len that Phoebe wasn't in the apartment, but her purse and keys are, are there, so she's nearby. Len was concerned, obviously, because, like, what do you mean? He he suggested to Aunt that Aunt call the police and report Phoebe missing, but Aunt was like, nah. He's like, it hasn't been 48 hours, so they won't do anything. I'll play devil's advocate, because we Mm -hmm. said we're going to do that a little bit here. It seems like it wouldn't be super unusual for Phoebe to leave and do her own thing especially if she knew it was going to piss him off and mm-hmm. like go out drinking or doing drugs or whatever with friends and not be super reachable right away. 
So I could see why he might, if he didn't, if he was innocent in the whole situation, why he might not want to report her missing right away, where he might be like, she's out, up to no good out there in the streets. I will say, though, it seems like she kind of left the apartment abruptly. Like, she left all of her stuff. She mm-hmm. left her straightener plugged in, and she left incense burning. True. Um, so, after he got off the phone with Aunt, Len called his son, Tom, and asked him to call around to some friends of Phoebe in an effort to locate her. Then he called Natalie to see if she had heard from Phoebe. Natalie called around, too, to see if anybody knew where Phoebe was. Len tried to think positive. He started getting ready for the dinner with the mindset that Phoebe would turn up soon. I think he had a gut feeling that something was wrong. He was right. Oh, my God. Tell your husband to knock it off. Yeah, you guys, you're making the noises. Stop messaging. Who's yeah, your we husband? Stop doing that. Well, that one was Lacey. That one was Lacey. Oh. <laughs> Lacey! I'm not doing anything. I responded. So, so, while Len was, like, doing the phone call chain that they used to do, like, calling everybody to say, call everybody else, um, Aunt also made a phone call. He called the restaurant that they were going to, that they were planning on going for out for dinner, and he ordered takeout for himself. He's got to eat. Takeout for one? Just for one. So, this to me says, could be a couple things. Aunt knew that they wouldn't be going out to dinner that night, and he knew he'd be the only one eating that night. Or... On the other hand, Aunt could also be seen as, like, a little bit of a petty bitch. Like, if he did take Phoebe's phone to punish her, that's a little bit petty. So, along with the same mindset, maybe he thought she was out getting drunk somewhere. So, with the intention of being petty, he ordered dinner for one from Phoebe's, from Phoebe's favorite restaurant, hoping when she got home she'd see the containers and be like... Upset about it. Yeah, that fits you know? in. Mm-hmm. And he could be like, "Well, you weren't here, and we yeah. were supposed to have dinner, so you went I got out dinner." Yeah, you went out. I got food. Sucks. So I could see both sides because, like, the podcast that introduced me to this case was very much like, "Oh, he ordered one. Why would he do that? Unless he knew that they." There'd only be one person eating. Yeah, he. I'm getting petty vibes from him. Yeah. So, um, side note for everyone: uh, Does like when we cover cases like this, or like or like listen to terrible, like really toxic relationships? Does it ever just like make you feel so happy that you like actually have like a good, solid relationship with your significant Every other? Time. People are so goofy out this there. This is so exhausting. Just yeah. listening to it. Like, fuck this. I wouldn't put up with this shit. Yeah. Um, so at 8.03pm, Aunt goes to buzz the delivery guy up to the apartment. However, the delivery guy asks Aunt, what the fuck is going on, man? 
There's police cars out front and cops everywhere. Why'd you make him sound like a... <laughs> like... He's a delivery boy. <laughs> That's how they talk. That's how they talk it's in so Australia. Like, you made him sound like he's like getting high in his car between deliveries or something. It's an Australian delivery boy. <laughs> you know, because I was thinking of the guy from Stranger Things with the long hair. Who was like delivering pizza. Anyway. So... That was 9.03, not true, that was 8.03 p.m. Now I'm going to pull another Bailey and rewind it. You're so good at this. I'm not this annoying, am I? Bailey never gives sound effects. (laughs) Do you know why? Four hours or... You're becoming Australian. She's, She's turning into a seal. Four, here's the thing. The reason I got messed up with that is because the next word threw me off. Four hours earlier, Batul, her name. I don't know why you, oh, okay. Batul Ozlup, a concierge at the apartments, arrived for her shift. So at like 4 p.m. was the start of her shift. The manager, Eric, gave Batul a little rundown of the day's events Hey, there was a fire alarm. Bleh. Before he left at around 5 p.m. One of the things he mentioned was that the garbage compactor had been serviced earlier, but that he didn't get a chance to check on it to see if everything was up and running the right way. He asked Batool to check it because he had to take his son to some music lesson or something at 5 p.m. So at 6.05 p.m., The fire alarm went off again. It was another false alarm. Construction was going on on one of the upper floors, and the smoke was from the workers' tools kept triggering the alarm. Mm. Around 7.06 to 7.09 p.m., Batool went to check the compactor room. She unlocked the door, but couldn't open the door. She said something was blocking it from the other side. She gave the door a shove with her shoulder and managed to get it open. The automatic lights came on, and the first thing she noticed was that a bin had been tipped over off the conveyor belt, and there was garbage everywhere. Then she noticed what had been blocking the door. At first, she thought it was a mannequin. Always. We hear that. Which it never is. Uh, I think people are just so... Think it, people think it's more likely they're looking at a mannequin than like an actual dead body. People I'm always gonna assume body. Yeah. Yeah. Like it could be well, like a piece of trash or like something on the set, like a like a paper bag, like a plastic bag on the side of a highway. And I'm like, there's a body in there. I'm always every time I see a plastic bag, I'm like, I bet that's a dead body. Mm-hmm. Someone should go check it out. Um, real quick, I I'm gonna send you guys a picture. Of, of the compactor. Okay. So you can kind of picture it while... Because I think it, it helps to picture the compactor room and the trash heap thing. Um, while I talk to you about this. <sighs> so... Um... Okay. So at first she thought it was a mannequin. Then she saw the mannequin was bleeding. She immediately backed away and closed the door. She took a breath outside the room. She kind of collected herself for about two minutes. 
Then she opened the door again, and this time she noticed the blood. It was all over the walls, a trail of congealed blood from the trash compactor to the body, and blood smears all over the back of the door. So, um, I know I just sent you a picture, but for those who don't didn't get the picture, I want to describe the conveyor belt and garbage compactor system at this time. There are chute entrances in the hallways on all the floors. And they all lead into, like, one main chute. Like, all the veins coming together in the body to the vena cava before returning to the heart or the trash room. So, at the bottom of the main chute is the trash compactor. It compacts the trash and dispenses it into a garbage bin. As the bins fill up, the conveyor belt rotates to prevent overflow. And there were five bins that rotated on the conveyor belt. So... Batul screamed and ran to the front office. She immediately called Eric. The manager she was coming in for or whoever? Yeah. Yeah. And he said she was mostly incoherent, but he could understand the following words. Blood, dead, and rubbish room. He told her her to call the police and that he was on his way. Good advice. Yeah. Victoria police were called at 7.14 p.m. They arrived at 7.20 p.m. Pretty good response time. Mm-hmm. Eric and the building owner, Tony ba- Basil, or Basil, arrived between 7.15 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. I don't know if they be- beat the police there or not, but they showed up pretty soon. An ambulance was called at 7.20 when the police arrived on scene. And they arrived seven minutes later. Christy Cook was a paramedic on the ambulance. She went right to the trash trash compactor room. And she could see a body lying on the floor. She tried to enter to assess the body and potentially provide first aid. But she was stopped and prevented from entering by the officer who was guarding the door. The officer told her she wasn't permitted to enter because it was a crime scene. Police were on the scene for seven minutes before the, how, the paramedics arrived. How, what, Hold when on. the police got... Okay, you're right. Go ahead. Christy said afterwards that this went against everything she was taught, which, as an EMT, I can vouch for this. I mean, I'm assuming Australia has the same mandates, but in America, we're at least... We are mandated to provide emergency first aid unless there are obvious signs of death. Obvious signs of death include decapitation, burned beyond recognition, decomposition, lividity, and rigidity. So Christy said that from where she could see from the doorway, she could see a female in a supine position with cuts to her right thigh and hip and her right foot in an unnatural position. She also noted generalized cyanosis, no spontaneous respirations, and the body appeared deceased. What is general oh. cyanosis? Um, what did bluish you say? tint. Oh, to okay. To it's, it's lack of oxygen in your um, like membranes, so that's why gotcha. you're... Yeah, it's, so essentially if you look at your gums, they're red because your vessels are oxygenated. Once oxygen stops flowing, they turn blue. She could not look at the patient's gums, though. I mean... For humans, you can also look at their nail color. 
She couldn't do that either. I'm just saying. I know. I'm just appalled that she I'm, was kept from the patient. I'm mad too. Also, how did uh, what's her face, the one that found her, know that she Which was wolf? dead to meet? Yeah. Why'd she? Know I don't know. I think she was too. just like it's. Well, you see that much blood. But like, yeah, but my thing is that the police were on scene for seven minutes without paramedics, and they were able to de- determine that it was a crime scene. There was it wasn't like a rescue mission. It doesn't take seven minutes to feel a pulse. Well, I got news for you. They didn't. That was gonna be my question was if they even went in to determine if she I was alive. It. Even cool. if even if the I mean in Pennsylvania, even if police are on scene and they determine they I mean, I might be wrong on this, but in my experience, they can't call time of death. They have to call for a paramedic to confirm or okay. someone with a medical degree to confirm. They can call a coroner, but like, I mean, I went on a call once where the patient shot herself in the head and we still had to go and attach EKG leads to confirm she didn't have a heartbeat. Jesus. And police were already on scene. They could have, if, if they were allowed, they could have easily said, she doesn't have a pulse. She's dead. But I don't think I think you need a medical degree to call, to pronounce someone dead, unless there are obvious signs of death, where, which include decapitation, burned beyond re- recognition, decomposition, lividity, and rigidity. And I don't even think that police can determine lividity and rigidity. Yeah. So, based on what Christy observed from the doorway, she should have been permitted into the room to at least check for a pulse. <laughs> like, I go into the hole yeah. where I get upset about it. <laughs> like, I just went over all this. Also, here, I'll just add this. In my experience, EMS and police usually have a good relationship because we're both first responders. But, like, it's weird that the officer was like, you can't go in there. Yeah. I will note, I want to point out this time that this was only the first of many weird occurrences that happened with this investigation. So, Mm. strap in. Here we go. When police arrived on the scene, no one actually checked for a pulse. No one checked to see if the body was still warm. No one even set foot in the room until crime scene technician or technicians arrived on scene. Another weird thing. While things were still bustling around, Eric, the manager, remembered that they had CCTV footage of the hallways. He immediately told police because there was some kind of issue with their CCTV system. Like, it would record for only a while before it would kind of lapse over itself and begin recording over, like, itself. So he told police that if they wanted the footage, they should download it ASAP or it would be lost forever. Police brushed him off and the footage was lost. Jesus. So at 8.46 p.m., Detective Sergeant Mark Butterworth assumed the role of incident commander. He took lead on the incident. In his report, he stated that when... Excuse me. In his report, he stated that when he arrived on scene, he found the body of a young woman lying face up 
jeans pulled down below her knees, and a very severe injury to her right foot. He also noted that one of the bins had been knocked off the conveyor belt and was lying next to the body. There, were blood, there was blood smeared all over the room, as if the victim had been stumbling around looking for a way out. While this was occurring downstairs, Ant was upstairs. After he heard about the police presence from the delivery driver, Ant went downstairs to see what was up. At nine, at 8.10, Ant approached a sergeant that told him that they'd found a female body in the trash room. Ant responded that his girlfriend was missing, and like, could the body belong to Phoebe? The sergeant asked for more information because he, like, would need to know what Phoebe looked like in order to do, like, a preliminary ID. So, Ant, instead of saying, oh, well, she's, like, 5'9", with brown hair, he told him that he'd been at work all day, and he'd been checking Phoebe, checking on Phoebe via the phone throughout the day. She's been really depressed, and he offered up Phoebe's medications. He was like, she's on this and this and this. The sergeant was like, that's not what I wanted. Like, mm-hmm. cool, TMI, what does she look like? So, I know that a lot of people seem to think Ant's behavior was weird, but, like, maybe he was just nervous and misunderstood the question. Some people get really nervous talking to police, and maybe he thought the sergeant wanted more information as to why Ant would think his girlfriend would be the dead body. You know? Or Mm -hmm. he, like, um, went into, like, panic, like, slash shock, and was just, like, having his, like, thinking of the answering his he own was thinking questions out loud. yeah answering his own questions in his head and not really like listening to what the question was from the cop that yeah. can sometimes happen um a lot of sources i've seen pointed that to ant's odd behavior and his parents positions as judges as a reason to be suspicious but i wanted to kind of think about this in a different way i didn't want to like go into this with tunnel vision assuming that the boyfriend did it because, like, thus far, I feel like I've done a pretty good de- job defending his actions. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, to a point. He's... Not, a great, not a great boyfriend. Like, we can, can agree right. there. But... but nothing that has happened so far, I'm like, red flag. And, like, as far as If you murder, think about murder. it, like, you're, like... Yeah, your girlfriend, like, has a tendency to, like, do, like, wild things and everything. But, like, you haven't seen her in a few hours... And then all of a sudden you're hearing about, like, a female body, a body. and yeah. then you're, like, going through a full panic, like, internally, and you're trying to just... Yeah. Yeah. So, it. anyway, the sergeant asked for any distinguishing features. Anne told him about a tattoo Phoebe had on her right wrist that matched one Anne had on his wrist. She also had an upper lip piercing. To further confirm, the officer asked if Ant's girlfriend had a tattoo on her stomach. Ant said yes, so the officer asked for a recent photo of Phoebe. Ant supplied one, and they confirmed identification. They requested access to their apartment to look for clues. They had matching tattoos? On their wrists. Yes. It's a red flag. Yeah, especially because they've been dating for like 18 months. Yeah, that seems really early to... And that's not even like a red flag in like the case just a red flag like for yeah yeah so police entered the apartment they noted the broken glass the blood on the floor and the post-it notes 
They also checked the trash chute room. There they found blood on the floor and blood on the door handle. At this time, Aunt called Len and informed him that Phoebe was dead. Len was in shock, obviously. Yeah. He called Phoebe's brother Tom and asked him to come over so he could tell Tom in person because Phoebe was really close with her family. He then called Natalie and told her, quote, I hope you're sitting down. She's dead. They found her near the rubbish bins at the apartment. Natalie fell to her knees next to her car and had to be carried back inside by Russell. Russell then had to be the one to call Phoebe's grandmother and told her to come over so that Natalie could tell her the news. Mm. At 10 p.m., Sergeant Butterworth met with the forensics team. The scene had been was processed. Phoebe's injuries were mostly from the waist down, the most severe being the right foot. They found a single lens from a pair of Prada sunglasses that belonged to Phoebe. Family said that Phoebe always wore her sunglasses when she was going out. They also noted that the compactor was set to automatic, as it usually is, but it does have a manual setting. In addition to the blood being all over the trash compactor room, blood was also found inside the compactor itself. They swabbed all the blood in the trash compactor room. After processing the scene downstairs, forensics swabbed the blood found in the chute room on the 12th floor. Then they went to the apartment. They found Phoebe's journal on the bed, so they took that for evidence. They found blood on the door, on a wooden desk, and on the computer mouse. They found broken glass in the hallway of the apartment. They, medications were found, more blood drops were found, but forensics made no mention of a shrine or candles being lit. Hmm. I think Aunt just thought photos being on the nightstand was a shrine. Yeah. Blood traces were also found in one of two elevators, as well as the concrete floor in the foyer level of the parking garage. Huh. Another weird thing that the police did, or I guess didn't do, was they never secured the apartment or the buildings, entrance <laughs> or exit. So people were able to enter and exit the building willy-nilly, and people were able to enter and exit the apartment willy-nilly. So the building, willy-nilly. I could kind of be like, okay, other people live there. But the apartment? Right. That wasn't the in... scene of the crime, though. Yeah, but it's full of evidence. There's blood in there. I feel like if there's blood in the apartment, that's, you need to... Drew, they didn't stop to feel for a pulse. I'm kind of... They're not... You've lost hope in them? Yeah. It's all gone down. really low. So, one of the police officers at the scene who was searching Aunt's apartment noticed that Aunt's parents and friends showed up and the officer had no idea how or when they arrived. They were just there one minute. They could have been like, I'm not saying that they were involved or anything, but like, let's say they were, like, let's say Aunt did it and was like, hey, mom, this item points to me doing it come in here and get this and take it out with you and they like would have been able to because nobody was keeping an eye on anything that's why it's so important to secure the scene yeah at 2 45 a.m on december 3rd sergeant butterworth took more detailed notes of phoebe's body he noted her blue jeans were pulled down below her knees but her underwear and bra were in the right position 
She was barefoot, and her right foot was almost completely severed. Oof. Hanging on by only a couple tendons. Ay. She had several lacerations to her legs, back, and butt. At this time, her body was transported to the Western General Hospital, and she was officially pronounced dead at 4.35 a.m. on Friday, December 3rd. She was then transported to the coroner's office. Um, Pat's hand was only hanging on by a few tendons, too, when he got hit. Oh, I didn't know that that was that bad. Yeah. Felt like hand. Um, yeah, it, uh... He says that it was only his hand was only hanging on by his glove and tendons. I don't like it. Yeah, he's so dramatic. I mean, I'm glad he's alive. I mean, like, come on, buddy. Right? Is he like always gonna bring that up? You know what I mean? Can we move on? He has a hand, guys. He survived a car. I'm he, I'm gonna play him a little song. He on can my he can like survive anything now. At 4.55 a.m., a fingerprint expert dusted for prints in the shoot room and the compactor room. He said that no fingerprints of any identifiable value were found. This is strange because the shoot was stainless steel. But, like, no identifiable value could just mean, like, smudged or half prints, you know? With the blood everywhere, I'm assuming that, like, she's, like batting or clawing so i just imagine it's just smudges i'm talking the shoot room not the trash oh, room then it sounds like someone wiped it up well i'm saying that like a bunch of people it's the shoot for the whole apartment so level. everybody could have smudged everybody else's yeah fingerprints yeah. on top of each other no someone could wiped be smudging. it okay I mean, I just thought it was important to note that they didn't say it was wiped clean. It it's just said there was no identifiable value. I know my truth. Okay. Several photos were also taken of the three separate scenes. At 11.15 a.m., Phoebe's family, including her parents, her brothers, her uncle, and her grandmother, as well as a few family friends, went to the morgue. Len and Natalie went in to see Phoebe's body and were informed mm. an autopsy would be done. Len initially said no because he didn't want Phoebe to be all cut up. This was when they were informed that they were not the senior next of kin. Aunt had registered as that role. Which is weird because Aunt and Phoebe had only been in a relationship for like 18 months. Yeah, and what do you mean? Okay, so I'm a little confused. How do you register for that role? I think you sign up for it. I don't I thought, know. I thought it was just like... The closest living well, relative so I, or something. He, uh, I think later on I have what he, like, what Is his... Is it like power of attorney or something? Something like that? I think he said that they were in a serious relationship, so he would be the senior next of kin. Yeah. I'm, a, like, I'm just going to assume they do it a little bit differently than we do it here. That's going to be my guess. Well, if you were to be in an accident, would they go to Brandon or would they go to your mom? That's well, probably because he's my husband. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, it would have been my mom. But like, I'm thinking like, before Lou and I, like when Lou and I were just engaged, I would think that they would probably talk to him before my parents because they live in a different town. But that, I could but see that's that. Also, you're living together. He's you're your fiance. Engaged. Okay. It just feels weird. <laughs> They're not I feel like you're engaged. attacking me. 
they were just like dating. I think it's pretty shitty too. Let's okay. move on. <laughs> I'm not yelling at you. I'm not even yelling. Don't get mad at me. I'm leaving. Natalie called Aunt and talked to him about this. Aunt told her that all he wanted was to know what happened. So Phoebe's parents agreed and they identified they identified Phoebe's body and an autopsy was performed. At around noon, Dr. Matthew Lynch began the autopsy. The doctor noted that Phoebe's jeans were blood-soaked and the right leg was torn from the, the pants. In addition to the piercing and tattoo Aunt had mentioned before, Phoebe also had her belly button pierced and tattoos on her hips, spine, and her left arm. Other information noted was that the right foot was mostly amputated, held on by only a few tendons. All arteries that supplied the foot had been severed. The edge of the arteries and the wound on the, on and the like the um, edge of the wound were ragged. So it wasn't a clean cut. Phoebe did have subdermal hematoma on the left side of her brain. The doctor suggested that this could have been could have happened during the autopsy itself. When you remove the brain from the skull, it can cause bruising. Oh, okay. There were numerous broken bones, but no neck trauma and no signs of sexual assault. There were also several bruises to Phoebe's wrists and upper arms, but Dr. Lynch neglected to mention these in his original report that came out in the coroner's inquest. Hmm. The toxicology report showed a BAC of 0.16%, so twice the American legal limit. Mm -hmm. It also found a drug called Stillnox, which is the sleeping pill that she jacked from Ant. It is important to note that Stillnox is one of those drugs that you should not take with alcohol. It's also a common side effect where people will sleepwalk or sleep eat, that kind of thing. Okay. She also had drugs for cough, muscle cramps, and depression in her system. Dr. Lynch could not be sure of time of death. It didn't help that he didn't check her liver temp or rectal temp. Because why would you? Sure. I mean, if you're not even going to check to see... If she has, if a she's alive, why would you check to see anything else? I mean, why are we even here at this point? If, like, why? Why are we even if trying you're not to do anything? Be thorough in the beginning. Why be thorough at the end? I'm surprised they didn't just close the door to that room and be like, "All right, nobody go in there now." That <laughs> off room limits. is off limits. Just, just wait a few years until she decomposes. Phoebe's clothing was sent to the forensic lab to match the damage on the clothes to the injuries to kind of see where they were laying when the injuries occurred. They determined that her jeans were worn properly during the initial injury to her leg based on the blood patterns. So how her jeans fell, they're not sure. I suggest that maybe they were caught in the machinery as she was pulling herself free. She pulled her Mm -hmm. pants nearly off too. You know? Mm -hmm. They also found two rips in the jeans that didn't go fully with the fabric. Or didn't go fully through the fabric. And that they couldn't match with injuries on Phoebe. Maybe because they didn't go through the fabric, they just didn't cause an injury on Phoebe, you know? I think that's reasonable. 
Ant put in a claim to receive death benefits because he was next of kin because they were in a relationship. Ant's dad, George, signed a statutory declaration to support the claim, but wrote that they'd been dating for two years, not 18 months, mm. and had been living together for 18 months, not a year. Cool. So his judge father is just as honest and upstanding as he is. Phoebe's family? Also, that feels like... um. Conflict of interest, like you shouldn't even be, you know, but that's none of my business. Phoebe's family was justifiably upset by this. Aunt did receive um, $113,000, but he ended up just giving it to Phoebe's brothers, I think, because they were upset and pestering yeah. him. And it probably didn't look good as things started to not look yeah. good for him. Also, he doesn't need the money. Right. So then the police took the weekend off. Um, was it a holiday? No, it was just a normal weekend. Oh, okay. They didn't but, have anything pressing at work, so. No. Um, the scene was revisited on Monday, December 6th. So to recap, they didn't secure the scenes, any of them. They didn't secure the evidence. Then they took the weekend off. So they're just doing a really good job. Yeah. They're working hard, Drew. They deserve a break. You know what else they didn't secure? The body? Statements. Oh, my God. So, it's like someone told the police, no rush. Because they didn't get statements from Ant's staff or co-workers for 4 to 11 months after Phoebe's death. I don't know about you guys, but I sure don't remember what my co-workers did 11 months ago. I think that I personally could be a police officer in Australia and I would just rise through the ranks so fast. <laughs> They'd be like, wow, she's really doing well. She's so good at this. She's talking to everybody in a timely <laughs> manner. <laughs> she figured out that guy was still alive before we wrote him off for dead. Yeah. God, Lacey's such an overachiever. She's a hero. She saved that guy's life because she just checked for a pulse. She's trying too hard. This is wild. Four to 11 months. They didn't talk to Eric, the building manager, and secure his statement until January 10th, 2012. He wasn't there. It doesn't matter. She died December 2nd, 2010. Yeah. They also didn't collect the computer with blood on the mouse. It was dirty. Well, what do you need it for? Later, Phoebe's brother Tom hacked into Phoebe's email and found that everything had been deleted. Oh, that's interesting. He, uh, that's because Aunt liked the very, uh, like, Not clean. lived in. Yeah, and so he needed the same thing for the computer. Duh. He liked a clean inbox. Mm -hmm. Wait, did you say it was Phoebe's email that he got into? And all of her emails and everything was deleted. Okay, interesting. December 7th. December 7th, Neil Bone of Waste Tech Engineering was brought to the scene to give his opinion about whether it was even possible for Phoebe to have gone down the chute. He said that had Phoebe climbed into the chute herself, you'd have likely seen bruising to her fingers from where the door snapped closed on them. Bone... Oh. It's confusing because his last name is Bone. Bone <laughs> finds it really hard to believe that Phoebe would have been able to get herself out of the compactor had it been set to automatic, which is where what it was found on. 
Bone believes Hanjuk's leg was virtually severed by the compacting machine at the bottom of the chute. She then slumped into the machine where her hip was sliced open by the blade of the compactor before the steel trap door opened and she fell into the darkened refuge room. The machine was set to automatic upon finding Phoebe, but if it had been on that setting, Bone said she would have sustained a lot more injuries. Yeah. Could Phoebe have turned the switch? I don't know where the switch was. So I don't know. Maybe she, like, smacked it or something. Maybe there's, like, an emergency. Like, some machinery will have an emergency turn off inside it in case people get trapped in it. She could have accidentally. But it did not. Okay. Okay. Or did someone else turn it off and then turn it back on once Phoebe was out? Hmm. My thing thing is that I feel like everyone gets tunnel vision and focuses really a lot on Ant. Mm-hmm. And doesn't open the possibility up for maybe somebody else. else. Yeah, I don't understand what the benefit of that would have been, though. It, like, if somebody killed her, wouldn't they have wanted it to stay on automatic to keep... Well, so at that like... point, my theory was maybe it was an employee who thought maybe... Who found her in it and was like, shit. Like, didn't want her to die. Didn't intend yeah. for her to get murdered. Hit the button, but then panicked and, like... Left. Didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, later, on December 7th, so not even a full week after Phoebe's death, Ant posted on Facebook that Phoebe committed suicide due to depression, and he announced the memorial service. It, had, a... it hadn't even been officially declared a suicide yet at this time. So... That's a little weird. I also think, didn't you say that this building had, like, terraced, like, a terraced outdoor area or something? hmm I feel like if you're going to kill yourself by jumping off something high, like, if that's what you plan, the garbage chute, to me, seems like such a weird choice for that. I know that people do all kinds of stuff, but for one, it feels disrespectful to throw people into a garbage chute because it feels like you're throwing them out like trash. But I guess somebody who's, like, severely depressed could maybe see themselves that way. It's deep. But you also have to, like... Thank you. Um, sad, if it's true. But, thank you. You also have to, like, really put the effort into climb into a trash chute. And then... I don't know if Wait, everybody would know that there was, like, a compactor at the bottom. Yeah. That's a good point. On December 8th, Ant wrote a long email to Natalie and Len. He cc'd Phoebe's brothers, Jeanette, his parents, and stepmother. He said he was deeply hurt that Natalie and Len challenged his role as senior next of kin. They had lodged a complaint with the coroner's office challenging the selection. They also requested a different coroner to handle the autopsy and declaration because Dr. Lynch has an association with Aunt's stepmother, and they felt it was a bit of a conflict of interest. Mm Mm-hmm. Ant mentioned in the email that this greatly offended him. He then basically uninvited them to the memorial service. Oh my god. Later that day, Natalie and Len were told by the detectives that Phoebe's death was ruled not suspicious and a suicide. Everyone, but especially Jeanette, found this hard to believe. Phoebe loved her family and would never have committed suicide, especially with so many upcoming family events. There were there was Len's birthday dinner. Nikolai's birthday party was scheduled for that Friday. 
Her grandfather, Lauren's 70th birthday was also coming up, and a friend of hers' birthday was coming up. Plus, the holidays. It was the beginning of December. Christmas. Plus, she didn't write a suicide note that we know of. Mm. Following this declaration that Phoebe's death was a suicide, Aunt and Phoebe's families got together to just grieve and remember Phoebe. Aunt's parents apparently kept, like, saying she was a troubled young girl. And, of course, it was suicide. Another weird behavior was exhibited by Aunt. Aunt's friend, Vanessa, who had gone to the little, like, gathering, said that when it was just him and her hanging out, he'd be acting normal, messing around on Facebook. But when anyone else, especially the hands jucks, would come into the room, he'd make a big show about how sad he was. And she thought that was very odd. Aunt's memorial service for Phoebe... I wrote, Aunt's memorial service for Phoebe, are as, was reported as being sickening. It wasn't about who Phoebe was. It was about what Aunt wanted her to be. In addition to uninviting Phoebe's parents, even some of Phoebe's closest friends weren't invited. So it it was a memorial service for what Aunt lost. Yes. Mm. Natalie and Len held their own memorial service for Phoebe on December on December 16th. Phoebe was cremated on December 17th. And in May of 2013, Phoebe's family and friends gave her a Viking funeral at a lake in Malakota. Malakota is where her grandmother lived, so it was like Phoebe's favorite place. Mm. Letters from fa- friends and family were put in like a boat along with Phoebe's ashes. And then they covered it in marigolds, lit the boat on fire, and set it off and watched it burn. That's I nice. I think that's so cool. Yeah. I want a Viking yeah, funeral. I, like that. I was going to say right. the same thing. But, like, on. only half of my ashes on there. You want to keep some with... I want to be that um, urn that sits on top of, like, the mantle that my children can be like, look, Grandma's watching. Yes. Yeah. On December 22nd, Aunt and Natalie met up at a coffee shop. They talked. Here are some highlights. They discussed how unbelievable Phoebe's death was. Natalie mentioned that Phoebe was meant to go to their house to help with Nikolai's birthday party. Aunt said she didn't want to die. She really didn't. It was just that monster was the alcohol, you know? Then Aunt gave Natalie a box of Phoebe's belongings. When Natalie got home, she checked the box and noticed that Aunt did not turn over Phoebe's passport, her Medicare card, her laptop, her camera, her birth certificate, and her journals. Natalie Hmm. contacted Aunt about these missing items, and so Aunt turned over the laptop and Phoebe's basically empty wallet. And that was it. Hmm. So... I think this is where I'm going to stop. No. <laughs> okay. I mean, we're. I'm we're mad hearing... at Ant, and I don't want to be mad at him twice. <laughs> no. 
We're that, nearing two hours, that, so I feel like we need to take a break. Now you know how That's we true. feel about Chad. I'm so sorry I put you through that. Yeah, it was not the same. When we come back, I want to tell you about Phoebe's grandfather. Because if you remember from the beginning, he is a retired police detective. Oh. And. Did he rise quickly through the ranks? He was much better than the others. I mean, mm. he probably fell for a felt for a pulse at least. He would have. Yeah. 100% would have. Oh. It's I don't like this case. Yeah, it's upsetting because like I feel like there's no good answer. I I there's so many Yeah, I'm not thrilled. I mean for so many reasons, but because we know that this is like an unsolved officially, I know that that means Ant's not in jail right now, being punished legally. Yeah. I mean, so that's if annoying. we did it. Yeah, yes. We could also, and I'm not sure if you go over this later, Drew, with, like, theories and stuff at the end, but, like... I do have theories, yeah. We could also, like, go the drug route. Like, did she owe, like, the wrong person money and they came to the apartment to collect and then they got in a fight mm-hmm. and then they dropped her down the garbage chute and they turned off the audio theories in the next one yeah yeah so it's just even if it's not him even if we don't have who did it it's still just very upsetting that i genuinely investigation failed so much Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean that's 100 percent. i really think that maybe there's something that like was missed yeah which is shocking because the police did such a stand-up job but I think that something was missed and someone got away with it. Even if, like, it was suicide, it'd still be... And, like, I wonder if they, like... I really don't think it was suicide. That's the one that I'm like, I don't think it was. I doubt it, too. But, like, even though you should still investigate it like you're going into it as, like, a murder. Well, like, we you- will discuss when we come back because yeah. Lauren, Grandpa Lauren, starts his whole... Get it, Grandpa? He, like, starts his own investigation. Oh, I like him already. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I guess he felt that the, uh, at, like, the non-retired police weren't doing a good enough job. Mm. You mean the ones that are actually, like, getting paid? Yeah, the ones that, like, screwed up the investigation monumentally. Oh. Those. Weird. Yeah. So, that was sinister. Mayor sarcastic. And we hope you keep listening. See ya. <laughs> Sorry, I just don't like this book. <laughs> Very bad.